Pastoring was never in my framework of thinking. Dr. Tony Evans recalls how the words of a mentor back in his seminary days impacted the trajectory of his life and ministry. To this day, I cannot repeat what he said. I wish I could remember. But whatever he said that day, it was an illumination. This was God. This is The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans, author, speaker, senior pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas, and president of The Urban Alternative. In 1976, Dr. Evans was finishing his master's degree at Dallas Seminary. He and his wife Lois had two little girls and a tiny Bible study that was about to turn into a church plant, not the path they had initially planned. We're going to take a step away from our regular programming today to bring you excerpts from a special podcast interview series that gives us a behind-the-scenes look at the life and ministry of Dr. Evans. Today's interview, The Church Planter, explores the early days of Tony's ministry and how the Lord directed his steps. Let's get started. I had some students that were questioning the viability of the local church. This is Dr. Gene Getz. He's an author, broadcaster, and pastor. But before all that, back in the 70s, he was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary while Tony Evans was a student. In fact, I had one student, and this was a course I was teaching on the church, and he said, who needs a church? Maybe God's going to bypass the church. Well, I knew that that wasn't accurate. I realized that I hadn't prepared to teach that class to be relevant and to deal with the issues at that time. So consequently, in the middle of the semester, I said to them, we're going to go back to the Great Commission, and we're going to start working through the book of Acts and the epistles to see how God intended the church to function. Tony encountered Dr. Getz's class toward the end of his master's degree. Welcome to Start to Finish, the life and ministry of Dr. Tony Evans. I'm going through the THM, the master's program at Dallas Seminary, and I'm majoring in pastoral ministry. Now, up to this time, I'm thinking I'm going to be an evangelist. I'm coming into my senior year. I've been involved in seminary, been involved in church. I'm now my senior year, and I'm taking a course with a professor who I've gotten to know some, Gene Getz. Okay. The name of the course was the name of his book, Sharpening the Focus of the Church, and it was on the church being able to relate to its contemporary environment. So taking biblical principles and relating it to the contemporary realities of people in building the church. So he went over these principles and it was quite fascinating. At the same time, I was with Ruben Connor, who started an organization called Black Evangelistic Enterprise which was the church planning thing he wanted to do with planning Bible teaching churches in urban America. So I'm in this class with Gene Getz. Gene Getz is friends with Reuben Connor. They decide to invite me and ask me to plant a church. Well, what happened is that Reuben's vision was to start black churches in big cities and they would be Bible teaching churches. And uh, so he approached Tony and said, would you be interested in starting a church in the Oak Cliff area? Well, I didn't know about that, but at the same time, I was talking with Tony, 
And I said, Tony, you know, you really need to get in the trenches and start a church. And he said, you know, I'd like to, but I need your help. So I went to my elders and I said, men, here's a guy that we really need to invest in. And they agreed. And so I said, Tony, we'll pay your full salary for three years to help you start Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship. At the same time, I'm doing this, starting this little Bible study in my house. It's just intended to be a Bible study. So all this is happening together. There's a Bible study. There's Black Evangelistic Enterprise. Why don't you start a church? There's Gene Guest. We'll support it if he does start a church. And I've got a Bible study. (laughs) So all of that is syncing together pretty naturally. At the very same time, I'm starting my doctorate at Dallas Seminary. At the very same time, I am invited to teach part-time at the seminary. All this is happening at the same time. So we've got a decision to make because I'm not, I can't teach at the seminary, do the church, and do the doctorate. It's, do I want to do the church or teach? So Lois and I are wrestling with this. Dr. Ryrie, who's going to be my academic advisor in the doctoral program in theology, he and Ann Ryrie invite us over to the house for dinner. We share with them a little bit of this decision-making. To this day, I cannot repeat what he said. I don't remember what he said. But whatever he said that day, Lois and I looked at each other and knew we had gotten our answer. Wow. It was such a existential experience of hearing from heaven through what he said, that we knew this was this was God, and we knew that the decision was made. So with the shift now of your focus being towards a new church plant, can you just share, because evangelism was such a big part of your life, big part of your early days of ministry, the, the struggle sometimes, maybe even the challenge that, that you and Miss Lois faced in answering the call to plant a church? Pastoring was never in my framework of thinking. I thought I would go back to Philadelphia to be an associate with Sam Hart. And so that was always my plan, to go back to to live in the Northeast. The influence of Tom Skinner, evangelism. The influence of Sam Hart, evangelism, although it did have church planning attached to it. Billy Graham, that was my mindset. Right. So when people would ask me what I would do without plan, Lois didn't like that much the thought of being a pastor's wife (laughs) because she's always on, you know, a spotlight kind of thing. And, and, uh, she she, she had seen some pastor's wives and it wasn't, she wasn't impressed. Yeah. And her (laughs) roots in ministry was serving alongside Sam Hart and and some of these as well. And and yeah, because of Tom Skinner and because mainly Sam Hart, that was evangelism too. So she was quite comfortable with that right. and not being locked down in local church. So we weren't that excited about the thought of local church right. until that Ryrie night. Mm-hmm. That was the turning point because I always thought I would be a full-time evangelist, not knowing that starting the local church was going to open up with this worldview, the opportunity to do more evangelism and more comprehensive impact. You know, we, we did the Bible study a lot of times she would help out with the kids that would come. But when that wasn't, there was some refreshments that she would make and fix for the, our guests. 
uh, were part of the Bible study. So it was a time of studying the Word and fellowship, right? Uh, uh, you know, in the home. When we broached the idea of having a Bible study, I mean, a church, we wanted to know how many would be interested. And there were about 10 people. Okay. And that's how we that's how we started. It was as simple as that. It wasn't complex at all. Yeah. And we just said, this is what we're going to do. And we started in the house. And then we moved. We began the process of itinerant movement. Yeah. Two locations. Yeah. So obviously you've heard from the Lord and you're answering the call. What were some of the things that that made you nervous about church planting or stepping into such well, a I had never seen quite seen myself as a pastor that way. But because I was still being asked to preach beyond this local situation, and because I was developing progressively this kingdom motif, which was bigger. Right. It facilitated something local as a base mm. for the worldview mm. for wherever it went. Right. So it, it, and it, it provided a laboratory for a worldview, plus the class I went through and the relationship with Reuben Connor about the importance of the local church. Right. All that together. We'll have more from Start to Finish, the life and ministry of Dr. Tony Evans, when we return in a moment. Stay with us. Hey, church leaders, are you looking to level up your ministry? Get connected at this year's Kingdom Leaders Summit. Listen to insights from speakers like Dr. Tony Evans. Engage with a supportive network of like-minded pastors. The summit is October 3rd through the 6th. The first two days are open to all church leaders, and the remaining days are exclusively designed for senior pastors and their wives. Register now at kap2023.com. That's kap2023.com. Dr. Evans released a book earlier this month called Kingdom Authority. And even though the ink has barely dried, the reader reaction has already been encouraging. The book builds on the ideas we've been learning about these past couple of weeks on the broadcast, that God has empowered us to exercise His rule in key areas of life, and that we can harness that power to overcome challenges, resist temptation, and fulfill our God-given purpose. We'd like to send you a copy of Kingdom Authority as our way of saying thank you when you help us keep Tony's teaching on this station with your contribution. Along with the book, we'll include the companion Bible study guide that digs even deeper and includes links to custom video content from Tony that'll light a fire under your small group or personal devotions. On top of all this, you'll get the full-length versions of all 12 messages in our current series, The Authority of God. Just visit TonyEvans.org Make your contribution, and we'll get this Kingdom Authority collection on its way to you. Again, that's TonyEvans.org. Or give us a call day or night at 1-800-800-3222. That's 1-800-800-3222. Well, now let's get back to our special presentation. We're sharing excerpts from the Start to Finish with Dr. Tony Evans podcast, exploring the early days of Dr. Evans' ministry. I'll share how you can listen to the entire podcast series at the conclusion of today's presentation. Can we talk specifically about, you know, Pastor Loritz and what he brought to the table as the, the church was started? 
he kind of approached him and said, I can't do this without you. Let's, let's do this. What, what were the things that, that he and his family brought to the table that, that you know, uh, called you guys together to this mission? Well, we had gotten to know them uh, prior to starting the church. So when I felt like this is where we should go, knowing his passion for evangelism and we wanted to reach people, that that would be a, a good partnership to achieve right. the beginning from an evangelistic standpoint. Right. So when we started, we went knocking on doors and inviting people to church, sharing the gospel. I mean, we knocked on hundreds of doors. Just That's great. To reach out evangelistically. So is that a, it was that evangelistic emphasis right. that, that was the draw. In this season of church planting and, and trying to see this church grow and, and serving those people, can you tell me a little bit about the team that started to form for the church specifically? You've always had a team. Obviously, Pastor Loritz came in for a season to get it up and going. And then can you talk about the yes. team in those early days? The number one team member. Outside of Loretz was Martin Hawkins. Pastor Hawkins has been my dearest friend for for this whole time. He came to us a few months after we started the church. Uh, he came to Dallas Seminary, and we we got acquainted, became friends. He said, look, I'm setting up a little church. Uh, I'll be setting up a church. Here's Martin Hawkins. And I said, so, I said, you know I'm Baptist. I'm dying to Baptist. <laughs> so he said, uh. Yeah, but I'm setting up a Bible church. I said, so how many members you got? He said, it's about seven, eight of us. I said, that's not a church. That ain't even Sunday school. <laughs> I said, I don't know that I want to get involved in that. You know, I said, right. man, I want to go to a real church. You know? <laughs> he said, but think about it. Come come work with me. And, and here's what impressed me about Pastor Evans. I had never heard the word broken down that clearly to me that I heard these passages, but nobody could break them down like he did. He had this unique gift of being able to tell you what that passage was, what it meant, and how you apply it in your life. I said, wow, wow. I was really, really excited about that. Prophet was already there. Prophet was telling me to come on to work with him. I'm really older than the both of them. I'm older than the both of them, so I'm saying, all right, y'all convinced me. Over there, I said, listen, I'm going to work with you. I, I'll give you a year of my life. I said that 45 years ago. And uh, there was a Bible study that just, you know, I don't, I wasn't that many couples. I, I don't know if there was like, you know, maybe five couples, maybe. Right. Five or six couples in the Bible study. And uh, so, you know, that's how it got started. We we met for a couple of weeks in the Bible study, as I recall. Then we said, well, y'all want to meet on Sunday mornings? I said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And, and that's how we rolled it out. Yep. And I think it was an alternate between Tony's house and our house. We met on, and, uh, you know, I think the first time we had like 21 people there or something like that. And, uh, and then we just decided and said, okay, well, we probably need to find us a place here because, you know, I mean, we, we didn't have a lot of square footage in either one of our houses. Right. So, right. so we, we uh, met at the cabana room of this the apartment room. complex. The thing I remember most, we were in what we call a little cabana room. We had maybe 30 people in there at the time. 30 was high. It was more like 15. Yeah, the cabana room was a little pool room over uh in in an apartment complex that was in this in the section of city of oak cliff 
So they let us meet there because we had a couple of people who lived there, which qualified them to let the folks use it, which we use for our Sunday services, right. which is very interesting because there was a bathroom in the cabana room. <laughs> so if somebody had to use the restroom doing the service, everybody knew somebody was using the restroom <laughs> doing the service. The cabana room was upstairs and there's a balcony that was over a pool. And so, you know, you can imagine, uh, you know, sometimes uh, the, the residents would come up there, jump off the balcony into the pool and that kind of thing. But it was uh, it was a great time. Things yeah. began to grow. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit? Because um, I'd, I'd love to hear this. What what was the the flow or the format of, first of all, one of your Bible studies? So, I mean, I'm just sitting here and it's like two of my favorite preachers in the world, Dr. <laughs> Loritz and Dr. Evans, are leading a small group. So did y'all share teaching? Yeah, uh, yeah, did, we did. Did Lois lead in song? Was there yeah, prayer? She, like, what were the, the things play, that happened? Lois played the piano. We, we yeah. sang, you know. Yeah. Uh, we shared. And uh, when the church got started, um, obviously we didn't have a Sunday school as such, but both of us would speak on Sunday mornings, which was the dumbest thing in the world. Both of us <laughs> <laughs> You know, we look oh, back on that and you go, you know, despite the obstacles we threw in the Holy Spirit's way, the thing grew. And so, <laughs> Major problem. You got two men that want to preach all the time. <laughs> Both of them want to preach at every session. And these come and look at me and say, well, it's my turn to preach. These guys love to preach. So we would hold a service there and we would, we would either alternate and teach or, uh, split it and teach. Right. And uh, then we'd have a little coffee break and a little Q and a afterwards. So it was by then maybe 20, 25 people. Right. Uh, after we left my home. So we did that for, I think over, over a year. Maybe practically speaking, when did the, the term, the name Oak Cliff Fellowship by your recollection start? The section of Dallas we're in is Oak Cliff. We were birthed out of this whole Bible church movement, right. which were independent churches that were non-denominationally affiliated. Right. So we fit that mold and we were located in Oak Cliff. So Oak Cliff okay. Bible Fellowship became the, the, we wanted to be bibliocentric, Bible centered. We were in Oak Cliff and, but we wanted to be relational to fellowship. So right. that's where the name came from. We're not like these, these young creative dudes. They come up with names for churches that are, <laughs> you know, you don't know what it means, but it's attractive. Yeah. <laughs> We weren't that smart, man. We, we just, we're in Oak Cliff. We preach the Bible and fellowship it. sounds good. So, you know, that's great. Is there any, you know, time of worship season of ministry that sticks out to you during those two years that just are, are special memories to you during that time? Yeah, I think uh, when we moved from the cabana room to the educational building, it was a room that I don't know, maybe would see the, 150 people, maybe, yeah. with chairs in there. I, I can't explain it, but when we made that move, it, it was like that's when things just really popped. The Lutheran Church had a fellowship hall, and they let us rent the fellowship hall. So that little group of people began to expand to from 25 to uh, maybe over 100 at that point. 
Uh, and uh, it was during that time that Crawford was beginning to make his transition back right. to Campus Crusade for Christ right. uh, as a full-time uh, evangelist with them. So he helped us to get things started, and then um, I took on more of the role, you know, locally. As the Lord moved Crawford Loritz away from Oak Cliff, he was moving Martin Hawkins further in. What his great influence is, he was really a churchman. I mean, he's really local church driven. I was in those early days still more evangelistically driven. His great influence to me was focusing and developing the church because he kind of saw the potential scope of our approach to ministry, preaching, teaching, and vision. So he was a great balancing person for me. Plus, we were friends. Uh, I mean, we have a, a unique kind of a unique friendship. Always supported, would always share when he had a disagreement, but would never a conflict. And as others came on in our leadership base, he was always the stability in the life of the church. So as a visionary and as a leader, what's your encouragement to the young church planner today? Find a friend (laughs) who loves you, who loves what you're doing, but who doesn't want to compete with you. Wow, that's good. You know, because they know their space. And he knew his space. He knew that this was his role. And because the relationship was so strong, even to this day, even to this day, uh, when people see us, they, they see the history. Right. And right. In fact, during sermons now, he always has the same place he sits on the front row. <laughs> And uh, during uh, in a sermon, I'll I'll make a joke in the middle of the sermon about him, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he'll stand up in the middle of the sermon while I'm preaching and making fun. So it's a it's a very uh, dynamic relationship that's yeah. that goes very deep. Well, today we've been listening to excerpts from a special podcast series called "Start to Finish: The Life and Ministry of Dr. Tony Evans." made possible with the cooperation of our friends at the North American Mission Board. Today's selection, The Church Planter, explored the early years of Tony's ministry. The podcast series can be listened to in its entirety on standard podcast apps or directly at starttofinishpodcast.com. When we think about the motivation for ministry, whether it be a small Bible study or a worldwide outreach, the why for Dr. Evans has always come down to this. The greatest need in all of our lives is for the forgiveness of sins. And there's only one person who can do that. That's Jesus Christ. That's why he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And he offers forgiveness of sins. If you're carrying guilt for what you've done, fear for what you've done, Jesus Christ is right here right now. If you go to him, confess your sinfulness to him, and trust him to forgive you, he will do it on the spot and also grant you eternal life. To learn more about what it means to be a real Christian, visit TonyEvans.org and click on the link that says Jesus. Tony will walk you through everything you need to know. When you do, check into getting a copy of Dr. Evans' current series, The Authority of God. As I mentioned earlier, we'll send you these 12 powerful messages as our gift when you make a contribution to help us keep this program coming your way. Along with them, you'll get the brand new Kingdom Authority hardback book, 
plus the Bible study guide with links to custom video content from Tony. But this special offer ends tomorrow, so be sure to request it today when you visit us online at TonyEvans.org. Again, that's TonyEvans.org. Our resource center is also open 24-7 to help you. You can reach one of our team members there at 1-800-800-3222. That's 1-800-800-3222. Dr. Evans says a lot of the problems and pain we experience are really the result of spiritual warfare going on behind the scenes of our lives. Tomorrow, he'll reveal how you can delete your demons and experience liberation from fear, guilt, addiction, and more. Be sure to join us. The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans is brought to you by The Urban Alternative and is made possible by the generous contributions of listeners like you. 